The following program may contain mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, your community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. This is Jeremy Roberts on behalf of Hawke's Bay Poetry Live, a programme broadcast weekly on Wednesday afternoons at 2pm. You can go online and find us under programs, or maybe you're listening on air right now at 104.7 FM or 1431 AM. Uh, Today's guest is Sophie Wright. Sophie Wright is a lawyer turned psychology student with a love of language and a conviction that the way we tell stories can enable and constrain possibilities for our lives and for social justice. Her love of narrative manifests as meaningful conversations and as poetry, which she believes can be a means of participating in social justice-oriented dialogue. Sophie loves trail running, stand-up comedy and black coffee and deeply appreciates solidarity, belly laughs and anyone with something kind and genuine to say. Welcome to the show, Sophie. Kia ora, good morning. It's really lovely to be here. Oh, Well, I hope we do get a few belly laughs along the way mm. and... Um, yeah, you, you you have an interesting bio, so hopefully we'll be able to delve a little bit more deeply into who you are and um, learn more about your poetry. Um, so I, I open this with my little mini grand question. Who or what turned you on to poetry? Yeah, so I thought a lot about this, and um, I... I thought back to the very beginning of my life. So I was brought up um, by Christian parents. Mm -hmm. So my first encounter with poetry uh, was through the Bible. Um, Mm. I was really drawn to the books that are essentially collections of poetry, particularly Psalms um, and Lamentations. I didn't didn't know it was called poetry, but Mm. that rich, spacious, often quite, emotional way Mm. of using language um, and the way the authors used it to explore socially off-limits ideas and experiences Mm. really appealed to me. Um, So my beliefs have changed since then, but I can still appreciate some of that Mm. biblical language as really quite beautiful and Mm. formatively influential. And also, um, so I'm a 90s kid and my parents had a really big CD collection, mm, mm. so I used to read the lyric booklets, yeah. um, and I I loved mm. that the language wasn't straightforward and it broke the rules of the way we use language in formal settings, and I loved that the writers um, seemed to feel free to leave it open to the interpretation of mm. the reader. Mm. Um, and I liked I liked the idea of being able to hide pieces of private meaning 
while at the same time giving people that freedom to inhabit writing mm. and interpret mm. it in a way that serves them. Oh, that's very interesting. I don't think anyone's ever mentioned um, the Bible as being a formative influence before, but, you know, it, it makes total sense, you know, mm. what, what a beautifully written, um, you know, publication, you know, mm. that meant, meant many to many people, um, it meant much to many people. Um, and CDs, well, yeah, and you're not the first poet to talk about, um, you know, uh, music lyrics, mm. um, and of course there's some quite well-known poets working within the rock and roll genre. Oh, yeah. I don't know if, if your parents' CD collection was all rock and roll or or what it was, but pop mm. music. Um, but of course, lyrics, yeah, mm. lyrics can inspire um, mm. and uh, yeah, trigger trigger things, can't they? Yeah. Um, just well, since we're talking about your young times, um, what about school? Do you do you remember anything um, poetry wise at school? Um, I don't. I don't remember anything poetry-wise um, mm. because the – so I was homeschooled for the first ah. seven years of my formal education. Okay. And the curriculum was um, – there wasn't very much artistic freedom or really anything to do mm. with art in the curriculum. Um, it was, again, very – Bible-based and ah, um, okay. the Western sciences and English mm. and um, maths. So um, my first, my first real exposure to the freedom to actually explore that side of things, I think, was um, really when I was about maybe fifteen, and I had mm. a teacher who was interested in that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So going to school, that, yeah, that was really positive, that transition into a different curriculum. Yeah. Mm, mm. Yeah, I've I've heard quite a few people say that um, it really depended on the individual teacher they got, Mm. even though poetry has been part of New Zealand's curriculum. It's Mm. not... um, It's not compulsory Mm. to the point where, you know, British curriculum... You have to learn um, recite poetry. Actually, Mm. as part of your um, upper primary school education. But anyway, well, that's that's interesting. Um, Look, why don't we um, why don't we have a poem from you, Sophie? Brilliant. This is called "There Are Some Things." There are some things I can't find words for. Searching under couches and behind sofa and bed cushions. Pulling drawers and pins and strings to manoeuvre, budding sentences into position to no avail. The space, the silence where eloquent explanation could be, only bothers me sometimes. Mm. On the days when words melt in my hands like warming ice, Sliding through my fingers in the heart of, in the, sliding through my fingers in the heat of inarticulability. Or the edges of my vision, when tears threaten to heal me with their symbolism. Their metaphorical meaning, signalling lack of composure to the outside world, and something else entirely to me. After I have picked my way over and between the obstacles in my way, 
the walls and stuck shut doors of shoulds and social norms and niceties that make tumours grow where feelings are to keep the public comfortable, to ensure appearances don't slip and accidentally reveal the life behind the illness of politely hidden pain, concealed by weary small talk and canapes, chewed on in rooms half full of people clad in suits of clothes and symbolic social armour, social networking for beginners, the devil's carcinogen. Neatly packaged as a social supplement with ancillary vocational benefits touted as a modern necessity with no thought for those who can neither afford nor endure the necessities. Go hard or go home, they say. So I sit at home in my overstretched pyjamas, a t-shirt and shorts which I have worn until they are indistinct which I have worn until they are indistinguishable from me, almost softer even than my resolve to conform, almost not there all but gone, only reviving an illusion of itself to ward off imminent threat, a hologram to shield a human heart, a human being unaccompanied, but not alone with all its grey-mirrored, grey-walled, slowly-leaking life connotations. How do I describe the feeling of kissing and being kissed? How can anyone or that breath-holding moment between someone else's words waiting for them to change your future one way or maybe another with an answer to some question you'd swallowed more times than you ever planned until it started to burn through your sternum, making you glow red, hot coals in the dark of every moment, passing like a sacred somatic ritual over the doorway of your home, a Passover blessed by Kronos, goddess of momentary blisses and pains, and of the ones that endure past their point of welcome so that their bearers must also endure. She is the one who whispers almost and sometimes completely imperceptibly, this too shall pass. Mm. Wow, what a strong piece to open the show with Sophie um uh, there's a lot in there isn't there commenting yeah on society or the, mm. the world some of us most of us move in mm. um yeah mm. I think there's a there's definitely an interweaving of the personal and the political in there mm. Mm. yeah is that um I mean is that's a sort of fairly contemporary poem is it mm. yeah mm. yeah it's um written in the last couple of months yeah. Ah, okay. Mm. Well, thank you very much. Um, very intriguing. Um, how so? In terms of writing, how does it how does it work for you? How do mm. how do they come to you? Are you sitting in those pajamas, <laughs> <laughs> writing writing in a way feverishly, or what? <laughs> yeah. No, that would be a dream, wouldn't it? Just to sit in my pajamas and write poetry all day. Um, no, it's I I was really intrigued by this. Uh, question because I hadn't mm. really thought about it in terms of a process before. Mm. So um, I sort of came to the conclusion that sometimes I'm writer, I'm writer, sometimes I'm prompted to write in response to um, an experience or an idea mm. that moves <clears throat> me or bothers me in some way. Um, and I'll sort of feel it 
percolating and taking shape and that mm. might take a few hours or a few days. Um, mm. And then, yeah, so sometimes it's a, a poem. It often feels like it's an urgent and necessary response to something sort of being constructed in me. Um, and I often think in quite visual terms. So what ends up on the page is usually a culmination of seeing the ideas as um, static or moving pictures and then translating them into words. Mm, interesting. Like scenes? You, you, mm. Are you visualizing scenes with people? And yeah, sometimes. Memories? Yeah, sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes they're scenes. Sometimes... Um, uh, I suppose um, images that are sort of a uh, um, conglomerate of my lived experience and other people's stories, which sort of provide various perspectives on one concept mm. and that um, that sometimes manifests as a, a static image mm. in my mind and I sort of circle around it mm. and describe it. I don't know if that... Um... So is there sort of like a research aspect to your writing where you're, you're trying to, you really want to solve solve something or, or get deeper into something? Is that, is it, um, uh, I don't want, I, I mean, don't let me, tell me no, that's not mm. what it is. Is there a therapeutic aspect to your writing? Um, or is it just a, a fount uh, sort of gushing, gushing out of what you want to say? I think that... Um, no, I, I don't think it's a. Th I don't think there's hmm. anything therapeutic okay. about it. I think sometimes it's a way of having a voice and telling a story that would not otherwise mm. be told. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because so, I guess <clears throat> some voices are more silenced than others. Um, oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've known poets that have shared things to to a, to an audience that they haven't told their family, mm. you know, and mm. it's it's um, that's quite significant when you mm. think about it for a moment, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, relatable. Um, yeah. So, uh, so it all sort of comes out, and then do you um, do you like redraft and edit and go through that process? Or? <laughs> sometimes I do. Yeah, yeah sometimes yeah. I do. Um, I think it depends on whether it's uh, for me or for an audience. Yeah. Um, and right. some, That's... yeah. And sometimes the editing process will happen after I've first shared it with an audience. Yes. I, yeah, yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Reading reading aloud is really like a, not necessarily the final editing, but your ear sharpens up in, mm. in a in a really good way and yeah. doesn't it when you it's sitting at home read even if you're reading it out loud to yourself mm. it's not the same as facing an audience i think eh? yeah i think <laughs> i think there's real there's real power in that witnessing process yeah um yeah yeah so you do sometimes you, you're one of the lucky ones and sometimes things do come out sort of fully formed almost mm. sometimes they do yeah yeah, yeah no that's that's very interesting um and um well i suppose we'll this question I, I sort of had about themes or topics in your work, you've touched on that a little bit already. Mm. Um, yeah, is, I mean, you've been writing for a while. Actually, mm. I do want to ask you something else too in a minute. Mm. Um, uh, are there themes or mm. consistent content? Yeah, I, um, 
And so aside from the, the poems that are expressions of lived experience and difficult to articulate sort of <clears throat> um, feelings, I guess, um, I tend to write a lot about social power relations. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll explore that or them through a more global, zoomed-out lens, and sometimes I'll use an sort of what's called an autoethnographic approach to um, exoticize the domestic, so the everyday stuff that we take for granted and don't really, yeah, don't really view as significant. Um, and I do that to try to unmask the relations of power that lurk in those everyday mm. things. Um, mm. And one of the bigger concepts that comes up quite often in my writing is patriarchy because mm. it affects the conditions of all of our lives. Um, Mm. And so some of my writing is an act of resistance to that, a refusal to participate, Mm. um, to be silenced or to be rendered docile. And through that, I hope, is an invitation to other people into a hopefully transformative conversation. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I've heard you read some very powerful pieces that are absolutely along that that pathway. Oh, yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, well, would you like to read another one now, Sophie? Sure, yeah. So um, this poem is uh, called uh, Come. It's the result of a, of a reflection about what patriarchy can do mm. to many women's experiences of uh, sex, and it's an attempt to deconstruct and problematise the discursive practices that women have been trained to put up with and okay. think of as non-negotiable and not Mm. that bad Mm. um yeah Mm. so this is okay this is called come he comes on my belly like some kind of amateur is that the same as immature porn star he does it against my will vividly expressed in wriggled resistance and my disgust expressed a little light-heartedly while naked and still so close to him for safety's sake, a precaution taken subconsciously because I have lived my way to reflexively quick wisdom, is met with his laughter. Obviously there can't be a real problem because he's not bothered. He is whatever the opposite of bothered is, ejaculating on my body and leaving me to clean up his mess turns him on gets him off makes him laugh it's the trailer for patriarchy the feature-length film dedicated to the kingdom and all its many kings and self-appointed demigods and based loosely on every single Bond film, with its invisibly prominent promontory, its fellow-centric plotline and magnanimously misogynistic tone, weaving its way seamlessly through script and interaction and following us all out into the cold, dark night air from whence it followed us and every director into the cinema and onto the set respectively. Kind of, he says, when I ask if it was intentional and then I'm not smiling even a safety amount and searching for something to wipe myself clean of his entitlement and the sticky disrespect it has carelessly dumped near my belly button. It is only then 
when he senses a budding barrier arm descending between him and the thoroughfare that leads to sexual access, that he mounts a flimsy apology. Sorry. Still, some sunshine mixed in with a dampening tone of face. I acknowledge the word as warranted, searching for the wet wipes he told me were in his drawer but are not, and failing in my duty to smooth the bed cover with the that's okay, which would clear his path to pussy once more. Later, he repeats it and I thank him, failing a second time, leaving the emotional labour untouched and lying flaccidly at his feet, tangledly bemused at its lack of movement, that I have voted to remain unburdened by his feelings. I have deviated from the script, and nothing is working to bring me back in line. Not the subtle, emotive charade, nor the explicit invitation for care, not the performative expression of hassle of a weather-beaten man at the cold face of feminine emotion, of femme-flavoured nagging, making small deals big and non-issues into problems, nor the cameo of silent defeat and solutionlessness intended to convey that there can be no resolution because the problem was imagined and a deep sigh is all he can give me. But anyway... He adds, it wasn't on purpose adjusting his earlier truth for this one, to turn what he thinks is the key, and no one's ever minded before, a self-contradiction I'm not slow to notice. I'm the first to protest in spoken word, I suppose, to consciously uncouple from my training and give his come back to him in verse and in person, spreading it through the hair on his abdomen gently, Regifting. I've had the temerity to receive pleasure and then to protest displeasure, to refuse an economy in which I am the currency but not the choreographer, in which my discomfort is the price I pay to satisfy a debt of pleasure to him. Having given, is he not entitled to take something without asking, suspecting the answer might be no? a rhetorical question to which the obvious answer is always yes. My consternation, my insistence on speaking words not intended to cushion him or gently extract the hook from inside his collar where I've fastened the one on which he tried to skewer me is a down buzz, a weight on his laissez-faire back, he tells me in different words and a congruent tone. He centres himself again. And again, a drawing pin in the palm of my hand. I make one final attempt before I leave, like checking a light switch. You know you've turned off. Another verbal shrug, accidental. Mountains and molehills up tight, nothing to discuss, apparently. I walk to my car, feeling the dark on my face. He has his fingers crossed behind his back, but I've pulled him from my hand like a prick. Mm. <laughs> oh, thanks for sharing that one. No problem. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, you you certainly, um, you, you said that you were writing about these topics. Mm. And there we go, listeners. There's a, a terrific example. Very powerful. Mm, thank you. Um, yeah. So... Um, 
you've been recent, in recent times doing a lot of um, live reading mm. as well, sharing your work mm. before audiences. Um, at uh, Common Poets um, Society who meet at the Common Room in Hastings. Um, is that where you started reading live? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, so I started in March 2022. Mm. Um, I'd only recently got back into writing after a 10-year gap. Um, right. Yeah, so that, that gap had actually been prompted by... Um, somebody very significant in my life giving me a piece of feedback about my writing um, mm. that uh, essentially was quite a forceful discouragement about continuing. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and so I'd had that 10-year break and mm. I, I'd i been thinking about sharing my work for a while, but the prospect of that sort of public exposure of personal work I found that quite intimidating, but yeah. in March last year, I was kind of negotiating a, a like a reorientation to life um, and wanting to take a position of sustained resistance to, to fears and mm. other forces that might rob um, or silence me in some way. So I threw myself into that, and it was really delightful. Yeah. yeah. So, well... Congratulations on, on, on getting that strength and and um, deciding to you know to be brave and, mm. and stand up. That that's interesting. The was the negative comment, if you don't mind me asking, was it to do with the subject matter at no, all? No, 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 no it, it wasn't. Was, yeah, it was just really to do with um, yeah, just my ability to oh. write. Yeah, it was a, a person oh. who I knew who was. Okay. An English teacher and happened to be in a position. She wasn't my teacher, but she happened to be in a position of authority over me. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, so. Um, How extraordinary. Um, sort of feels sort of like any English teachers, it's their <laughs> obligation to encourage writers. I agree. Um, mm. Mm, very, very interesting. Mm. Um, so, Common Poets, and then um, listeners, uh, Sophie also won the slam mm. uh, competition um, back in, when was it, October? Uh, yeah, yeah, yep. I think. Last October, yeah. 22, something. Yep. We'll, we'll say it yep. was. that ballpark. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, emerged as the, as the slam champion. And mm. um, so what a what a journey, mm. you know, within a few, um, a few months barely, yeah. isn't it? Wild. Um, so tell, and, like, obviously... Um, You've had very positive feedback from mm. from audiences, mm. in fact, um, which must be incredibly heartening. And yeah. do you want to um, just tell us about that experience of being yeah. a live poet? Yeah. Um, so I, I like mm -hmm. I've I've definitely had um, mixed feedback, right? Um, but I think you know we all come to um, poetry from different angles and perspectives, and I think that um, some disagreement over things can be really healthy and really helpful because diversity is, yeah. you know, um, it's it's the way we combat colonisation, essentially, mm. diverse perspectives and yeah. views. And, um, sure, yeah. Yeah, so um, I think uh, winning, <laughs> winning the slam, um, that 
felt both really surreal mm. um, and electrically delightful. Um, the poems I read that night, um, I was aware may not be received. Um, so they 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 traversed things like rape culture, patriarchy, racism, mm. colonialism, the mm. politics of bodies as sites of multiple oppressions, addiction, and reclamation. And I read them mm. with the intention of saying things that I thought were really important, but without too much investment in the outcome. Um, I didn't want to toe the party line, but I was aware that they can be quite uncomfortable topics for some audiences. So when I won, um, I don't think it's an overstatement to say that I it, it felt like a, a locally important win for intersectional feminism yeah. in a way. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, just a small victory on the path to dismantling some of those structural power relations that oppress um, particular people. And it felt like a victory for the women who approached me that night with their own very personal expressions of fiery gratitude Mm. and identification Mm. with the material I read. And Mm. um, I had a renewed sense that efforts to silence us only provide evidence that what we say matters and that our individual and collective rage is a really really powerful powerful thing yeah yeah um no it's it's funny you you think that it mightn't have been um the best material for a slam perhaps (laughs) from my perspective (laughs) it was absolutely on the poetry zeitgeist beautiful so uh, you know it's encouraging it was a, a surprise to me if if um Previously, there had been um, not so positive reactions, right, yeah. uh, and I thought, well, actually, this 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 was the night, mm. um, and um, yeah, no, good, good on you. So you're sort of um, where do we go from here? Keep on writing and reading, I mm. suppose. Yeah, definitely. Um, keep on listening and listening and yeah. writing, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's so cool. Mm. Um, well, how about another one, Sophie? Lovely. Sounds like a great idea. Um, so this is one of the ones that I read at the Slam, and mm-hmm. it um, is called <clears throat> "Pray," and it is a description of uh, rape culture from my perspective. Mm. Pray. It starts with a snigger, a cackle. A jeer, shoulder-to-shoulder solidarity directing the gaze outward, a soft, throated stare, dilating with what? A thick-voiced concoction of power and want, singular and shared with a crowd of dull eyes, drowsy and sharp, unfocused, but not deceptively languid and dangerously hot. Target honed in on, picked off from the pack, an object, some meat, Crosshairs held steady. Focus. Threadbare. No need to conceal it. No incentive or urge. She's right in their sights with those thighs and that hair. What hot-blooded human could resist or turn back when human consumption is what she's made for? Look what she's wearing. It's clear what she wants. Why did she ask if that isn't true with that walk and that laugh and that big, sleepy yawn? She's obviously flirting. Why else would she dance? Bitch, please, stay at home. 
if you don't like these hands. Collective surge forward, a tangle of arms, and then she is gone, swept away by the crowd selected at random from a room full of girls. What made him do it? Was it her and her smile, her venturing out, not staying indoors? She was drinking or high or had had him before. She'd asked him that time to come home with her, said yes to his offers and gave him those eyes stripped off and lay down and later had brunch with him sitting opposite at a table for two. And she later said, no, it doesn't add up. Dubious, doubtful, suspect and more. She must have been angry, had something to gain. Why else would she make this fictional claim, a gender pulsating conjecture and blame, an altar erected to the god of backlash? Her history is mottled. She's had sex before with guys who she wanted, unchaste and impure. Consent has no place in the mouth of a whore. Mind his potential, his wife, his career. That poor married man, he did nothing wrong except to have money and stand in her way or simply cross over her man-eating path. The malice is pungent, corrosive and sour, consuming whoever stands up or speaks out, survivors of one thing, whether this storm. Blame victims, not suspects. They're putting it on. Too much to gain, too much profit to make. Revenge porn and dollars is bandied about. Feminine wiles and vaginas with teeth, bee traps with honey to lure them inside, innocence pleaded but no mercy shown. The perps are now victims, to quote their own words. Go on then, tell us, how does privilege hurt? Mm. Again, another powerful poem, and um, yeah, um, you know, well done for for writing it and 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 sharing it, and it and it hit. It had a nerve and and found um you know mm-hmm. you you were getting um positive feedback for sharing that but you know it i mean yeah i'm I'm sitting here and I'm just remembering um someone i used to who who I used to know who said um you know it's only ten or twenty percent or even less that of um rape cases that get reported right. Yeah, it's, or it might be, might it be, might less. be, it's, might be much less. I think, I think it yeah, might be even, yeah. even but less. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she was a doctor and worked yeah. um, worked at Auckland Hospital um, yeah. with the rape crisis team, actually. Right. Um, yeah. So um, no, full credit and um, well done for 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 sharing that. Thank you. Um, very powerful. Um, Sophie, which poets do you really have? Have you been much of a reader through the years, or um, you know, or like you've got live poets you see? Um, what about there's there's the famous ones, the famous Kiwis, yeah. male and female. There's yeah. international writers. Yeah. How do you relate um, to that? Yeah. So I, um, I think in terms of Kiwi writers, um, I I really. Um, I really love Janet Frame, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and I was really, really sad when she died. Mm. Um, her, I, I just love that her poetry is written in such clear, succinct language, yeah. but it contains such complexity. So when you first come to it, you think, oh, that's simple and clear. But then when you read it a little bit more, you realize mm. that it's so dense with meaning and mm. searing, searing in its brevity 
and depth and some of her prose is incredibly poetic so I remember reading yeah owls do cry and feeling right. and some really difficult to articulate articulate way like I could see my reflection in the way she wrote um in her unusual use of form mm. and space and punctuation mm-hmm. and yeah kind of feeling like a sense of community with her mm, good um yeah. yeah and so in terms of uh international poets um, Kay Tempest mm-hmm. is somebody who I really, really yeah. love. Um, yeah. I love the rhythms and shape of the language they use and the the transparency yeah. and honest expression of their lived experience and also broader mm. political ideas. And I just I just think their work is powerful and vital and beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Thanks for sharing that. Mm. Would you like to share another poem? Yes, I would. Thank you. This one is uh, a brief one called Patriarchy, a view from behind open eyes. I'm hungry, he says, getting up to fill his bowl. I ladle it in, nod and smile, sufficiently concerned for him. I'm famished, still waiting at the back of the queue. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Entitlement, eh? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's the short answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. And there, there you go. There's some of that Janet frame um, simplicity, but but mm. saying so much, isn't mm. there? Thank you. Yeah. Um, we've touched on this quite a lot already, I suppose. Mm. But if, I don't know if there's anything you want to add about the role poetry plays in the community. Yeah, I I would. Um, I think it can be. I think it can play. <clears throat> many different roles um, and I've thought about this a lot I think it can provi- provide space for many many different voices to mm. be heard so that the, the the dominant western hegemonic idea of what what life should be kind of gets displaced so that we mm. hear um, um, voices that can contribute to our consciousness raising mm. process and people mm. can have space to speak the unspeakable and celebrate diversity mm. and reclaim their voices and um yeah. you know like uh push against marginalization and i think it can sometimes be a way of finding respite from everyday life um and mm. Mm. uh engaging in sort of quite uh political transformative action which I think really starts from the our local communities um and I think poetry can be um can be a way of forming that and um providing a pathway towards telling stories that do us justice and um you know um liberating us from captivity in a lot Mm. of ways Mm. yeah okay well, no, thanks for putting those thoughts together. Um, it's, it's always an interesting question, and mm. there's a, you know, usually a pretty wide variety of answers. Mm. Um, how about another one? We've got about yeah. um, 10, 15 minutes. Okay. We're going okay. Yeah. Um, ra- listeners, I, I'm supposed to say this, <laughs> you're listening to Radio Hawks Bay on 104.7 FM or maybe 14.31 AM. <laughs> okay. 
All right. Uh, so this is called uh, Crunch Time. Crunch of a fist on my car window attempts to remind me what I am. No. What I am supposed to be, a warning to get back between the lines, a threat and a coercion to haul my body and the uterus it contains back inside the harshly constructed anti-space that I've been cheated into occupying by many fists and hands and mouths and threats, subtle and not so subtle, implicit and shamefully stark before this one taking up space while a woman is not indictable as far as I can tell, but it is punishable by retributive action and perhaps I wouldn't be in this position if only I'd been afraid from the start of this fucked up interaction in the middle of town, too close to midday to be real with two angry men calling me cunt with their faces. With the full force of the hatred they so clearly harbour against me, a stranger until ten seconds ago, a non-man, no need to say much more, with the audacity to move around and be present while vagina-laden. They'd say it out loud if I wasn't semi-shielded in this capsule on the road, semi-soundproofed, with the addition of headphones and a fuck-off look on my face. I imagine... Although I can't see it, I'm told it's uncannily congruent with the state of my insides, and that's the state they're in. The fuck-off state of a fed-up, furious, social endurance athlete unwillingly recruited to compete in the patriarchy Olympics and breaking each rule systematically and with impunity. One finger in the air. You know the one I mean and conspiring to corrupt everyone with my gendered rebellion, my pissed-off resistance so completely devoid of fear and hesitation so full of defiance I'm almost aroused without even a hint of a phallus in sight. Unless you count the men who want to fuck me up and maybe fuck me without my consent. As long as I'm resisting, they'll come quickly, injecting their confused cocktail of murderous hatred and proprietary, acquisitive and violent desire, like nuclear waste, perhaps hoping it will disable but not kill me so they can have me and hurt me in perpetuity with the satisfaction of malicious delight. But it's all in their dreams, and I've ruined their day by not only existing while a woman, but stepping on the accelerator like the man I am not, emulating stereotypical masculinity, mediated by the revving of my car in a gear too small for its speed, waiting too long, but just long enough to change up, an audible suck my dick, dedicated to the bird-flipping members in my rear view who wanted to fuck me up, but instead got fucked by my own middle finger, returning their gaze out the window. <laughs> yeah again um so potent with imagery and um mm. you know i can all, almost see the entire scene you yeah. know il- illustrated you know um mm. yeah no good on you for um putting that down so that that's you know a real life situation yeah. that you've yeah 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 that's yeah. very autobiographical and mm. i just was very aware that my uh, gendered role in that situation was to accept it and uh, respond in fear and move out of their space, and so I did the opposite. And mm. um, yeah, it's just it's I'm always mm. um, interested and intrigued by how 
if I breach a gender role and behave in a way that's traditionally masculine, um, there's mm. such a forceful response to push me back into my lane um, and to, mm. you know, like any any reclamation of power is is met with our equal and opposite and even more um, force. Yeah. yeah, so that just makes me more determined. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I can, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a trigger, isn't it? Do you, do you sort of feel like you're on alert? Like, is, is this, these are incidents, like you, you, you are also, you've, you've actually got a, a very um, lovely personality. Oh, thank and, you. you know, Thanks very much. And uh, you're not like <laughs> an, ang- an angry person at all to meet or talk to at all. Yeah, no. I uh, just, you know, um, if the listeners are wondering um, <laughs> who, this, who this, um, this young woman is, well, no, she's, these, these are poems that are speaking about episodes and experience aren't they yeah and Um, you know i think there is there is a there is a role there's a very important role mm, for anger mm, um yeah and and i think that it's one of i i read something recently in my in my study um which was a quote saying the only voice that is acceptable in our patriarchy culture the only woman's voice that's acceptable in a patriarchal culture mm, is one that isn't angry um, uh, yeah, and mm. so I think that a lot of my work is a um, is a pushback against yeah. that because you know men like it's fine like culturally perfectly mm. acceptable um, and nobody blinks an eye when men express their anger violently, mm. um, but when women resist that, um, yeah. we're called bitches. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, so. sexism is is alive and well, you know, right goes yeah. all the way to the beehive, doesn't it? Thriving, <laughs> thriving. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, no that's um very interesting. Look, we again hit the question about, you know, whether you think poetry can can educate or change mm. the way people think. I think you've mm. touched on that a lot mm. to some degree. Would would you just say straight up yes? Or, yeah. I yeah. Mean, the arts are there to not just entertain, are they? They're, no, um, no. Although I think it's um, <clears throat> when there is an entertainment aspect, sometimes it is easier to open spaces to influence. Sure. Yeah, I open a door and it let, let someone inside the door, then, mm. then, then close it mm. gently behind them and mm. leave them in the room for a while. Yeah, I think yeah. It, I think it can reconfigure yeah. social power relations by. Um, influencing how people think, yeah, sure, mm. yeah. Um, so you and you've all already said like the the right. So you writing for an audience, being aware that this is going to be shared, mm. might influence the development of a of a poem as opposed to you know writing in a in a say in a diary that you, mm. no one's ever going to see. Mm. But um, that's the funny thing. Once you become a public poet. I, I think writing isn't ever quite the same again because you you think, hmm, is it good enough to share? Is, it, is that fair enough or is that silly to, 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 would you ever think that? Would you ever assess a piece and say, hmm, it's not quite there yet, I'm not going to? Um, I, th- I, th- I don't think that's silly to say. I think um, that <clears throat> I, I'm very aware when I'm writing for different purposes so some of my 
some of the stuff that I write, I'm aware that it is going to be kept in my sort of my personal ah, sphere. Okay. Yeah. Um, and when I'm writing something um, for you know sort of uh, public sharing, mm. it tends to be sort of quite uh, political and. Yeah, and so, so definitely um, there will be that assessment process and that editing process. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, th- no, that sounds like a completely honest answer. I mean, I know some people say, I, I, I just write for myself, mm. you know. No. But, <laughs> but you, you know you're not going to share. As my mm. old art teacher used to say, if I'm going to all that trouble, I'm not putting up rubbish. It's going to be mm. my best work. Mm. You know, going to hang that up on the wall. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. It's just the nature of the beast, isn't it? Really, you can't um, avoid it, I suppose. Yeah, and I think more and um, more and more <clears throat> um, as I've as I've developed my writing and shared publicly, the things that I am prompted to write about do tend to be um, sort of enmeshment of of personal and political. So I think. Mm. Oh, this is really worth talking about, and not, and I'm not just talking to myself because I already know, I know, I know this stuff because I've experienced it. Mm. Um, but I, you know, I want to be able to share it with other people because yeah. they might not be aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, look, we've got about uh, five or six minutes. Okay, so I right. think probably <laughs> um, rather than go cut to another question, I yeah. think let's hear another poem. Okay, how about that? Cool. Um, okay. Uh, are we going to have time for all of my poems or no? You don't think let's, so? Let's just see how we oh, go. Okay, great. S- yeah. Let's see. Okay. You, you're wondering which one to, yeah, to I, go I for. Yeah, I am. I am. Do you know you're the, the running time of them? We've got seven, um, seven minutes. Okay. All right. Uh, if that helps. I'm I don't know if it does. To possibly. Uh, this is called Devil May Care, and it's mm-hmm. about um, New Zealand's or Aotearoa's um, history. Okay. Devil May Care. I have $137.40 and a feeling so thick in my chest cavity that I think I might have been hollowed out and occupied with concrete in my sleep. A colonisation so quick and heavy I barely have time to swallow the white guilt I feel when I remember the sweet, concrete creep of my ancestors onto this whenua and into every space they, we, could lay our soft, deceptively clean hands on. Our quietly violent march into the language into every concept and idea and body of water and sophisticated cultural practice that we stepped on, drove the point of a high-heeled shoe all the way into and then called savage, without even the good grace to notice the irony, the cruel irony, the sheer stupid irony of our pronouncement. Civilization, such a comprehensive blindfold, such an expansive self-delusion we couldn't or wouldn't or both at different times and at the same time see ourselves for all our focus on the other, 
that figment of our white imagination that we've pulled from intangibility and constructed from soft, poisonous greed, self-interest, deluded white supremacy and placed in the circle's centre to stare at, to distract us from our own abuses, our own misuse of power and to distract the them we've built from the very same thing. What if white is the worst colour? Don't worry. It's just an idea I'm toying with, advocating for some devil my ancestors constructed to subdue legions of people with fear, to subjugate women and people of colour and systematically abuse and silence children. God. I mean, God. Not the devil. I confuse them almost as often as they confuse me. They sometimes seem the same, or at least not so different. Mm. Again, a very, very strong piece, um, Sophie. Thank you. Um, congratulations on putting it together. Uh, it's very powerful. I, I think that would resonate across um, many cultures and, well, just a, a, a lot of a lot of um, a lot of people, um, and needing to be said. Mm. Yeah. Did you read that at the Slam? Or did um, I hear it at Common Poets? Uh, I I read that last last month. Ah, yeah. yeah. So I yeah, just no, it's a, it's it a was fresh one. kind of in my, in my mind. Mm. Um, it was great to hear it again. Mm. Um, so you read you pretty regular reader at Common Poets mm. in the Common Room who, mm. who are on the last Wednesday of the month mm. at seven thirty ish. Listeners, if you want to come along and meet Sophie or um, hear read, talk to her about. Um, her writing, uh, mm. you, you can do that. Mm. Um, we've got a tiny bit of time. Would mm. you like to go out with one more poem? Or yes, yep, yeah, great, yep, absolutely. Um, this one is called. Let's see. Um, Lest we forget, and I think it um, uh, embodies those ideas of where I've come from and where I'm going in terms of politics. Um, mm. Yeah, and hopefully we're we're collectively going as a as a country. I think. Um, I hope that that's not too big a statement. Okay, lest we forget, my politics are a tomb for old ideas and a birthplace for new ones which would not be new if they upheld the status quo. I lay the ancients to rest in careful memory of what has come before. I need to remember the ideology from which I am descended to keep returning to the graveside, to the cavern that holds my imperial foundation in its mouth if I am to keep resisting the propagandist seduction which would otherwise tie me to the bed and have me for its own resistanceless. In this ritual, I am a grateful widow, bringing flowers to dress a grave I dug and hoped and hoped to fill. I hold an endless vigil, always alert, returning like sunshine to the pit. I am my late oppressor's most loyal opposition. Mm. Wow. Uh, yeah, <laughs> again, um, much to contemplate. And uh, uh, poet 
all every poem worth hearing again, worth reading. Um, hopefully, one day you have a collection yeah. put together. Yeah, um, I love that. Yeah, and you've started to have some work published, yeah. which is great. Yeah, and uh, you certainly deserve it. Um, so, uh, well, there's the, we could have talked a lot longer, and yeah. I'd love to have asked you quite a few more things, actually, but we, we must go now. Mm. So thank you very much, listeners, for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you again soon. Yes, thank you very much for having me. It's been a joy.